Hello, everybody. I hope you're all doing well. Season two of this podcast is still beginning to take shape. (laughs) No idea what this will become again, Um, but I'm so glad that you're here to witness that alongside of me. Um, This is a a great adventure. Um, I, I, I do always want to be practical but I also want to offer ideas to chew on. So today is a bit of an idea chewing day, um, you know, giving us questions that we can apply as, as we're living out our day to day and and thoughts that we can ponder as we weigh out our, our past and our present and our future relational dynamics. And, and as we view our, our understanding of ourselves and others with, with more clarity, right? We, we want to be able to, you know, to set the vision for the quality of health that we're willing to pursue. You know, we might say, ah, I want to be healthy like that, but but really being honest about <laughs> what what level and quality of health are we truly willing to pursue and to maintain in our relationships? How can we ask ourselves those questions and be honest with ourselves? And and all of this is really as we work to become who who we already are as we let go of our our self-protective, self-sabotaging habits and reactions and behaviors that, that keep us hidden so that we can move forward toward becoming more and more naked and unashamed. And in the last episode, I shared a bit about what I consider the foundation and the fuel of life. And these are the things that kind of undergird everything that I talk about and they're kind of imbued in everything. So if you ever hear me kind of violating my own words, I want to know about that because that's something that's always been really important to me. Um, Internal consistency and integrity. um, And that's really been a big part of kind of how I have become um, who I am in the world in a sense, how I've kind of brought myself more into being. Um, and how I understand things. Uh, I, I'm always looking for internal consistency and integrity. So if you ever hear me uh, maybe not making sense uh, according to something I've already said or f- seeming like I'm not um, being consistent with that, uh, I want to hear about that because that will be something for me to ponder. Um, and that's something that, that you can be thinking about for yourself. When you land on an understanding of something, you can then use that understanding to question all the things that you're doing. Like for, I'll give you an example of this. Um, so I would say for my life, my biggest uh, thing that I've had to process is this idea of, of worth and combating shame. That's been um, perhaps the single most, if I were to, to boil everything down in my life, and how I've come to even some of the understandings that I have, it's been through the process of seeing myself as equally worthy as anyone else and also seeing other people as equally worthy as of, of me, as me. Um, and, and, and getting unlocked uh, from this, this, this notion of shame. And so for me, that's looked like, um, okay, if I was to be living... Um, without shame in this area, I might respond to this invitation to go somewhere um, a certain way. I might, I might say, of course, I, I will do that. Um, but, or I might take a job, or I might um, 
apply for a job, right? I know that's been something that over the years um, that I might have just backed out of. I'll, I'll, you know what? I'll give you a very specific example for my seventh grade year. <laughs> and, and this is not something that only happened in seventh grade. I've probably done this multiple times over the years, and hopefully I would never do it again. Uh, but in seventh grade, I had a crush on a certain boy. <laughs> It's just so fun to think about. Um, and my best friend had a crush on the same boy. And in my little seventh grade mind, given all the experiences that I've had up to that point, I just naturally assumed, of course, he's not going to like me. So I'm going to relinquish my claim on my crush to, to my, my friend. Um, and she knew I had a crush on him. So, you know, you work it out as seventh grade girls do. And, but that was something where over the years, as I got older, I was like, hold it. Um, if I was in a space to, to have the same kind of scenario come up again, it's like, hold it. Why would, you know, it's, it's totally fine if the crush likes me over the other person or the other person over me. But what I was doing is I was answering for everybody right? Based on my understanding of my own worth. And so over the years, it's turned into questioning that. It's like, huh, why am I answering for this other person instead of giving them an opportunity to answer for themselves, to weigh things out for themselves and to to come up with whatever conclusion they come up with for themselves. And so that's what I mean by this consistency and internal um, integrity. It doesn't mean that it's always going to come easily. In fact, it has not come easily. And sometimes I will still choose what is aligned with what I say I don't believe, but I do believe. <laughs> but I say I want to believe that. I want to believe I'm as worthy as anybody else for that job opportunity or that person I'm attracted to. But how I respond belies, it kind of reveals, I guess, uh, what I really believe. Um, so we can be asking ourselves these kinds of questions as we go through life. Um, and so hopefully everything that I say, there will be in just an, an embedded internal integrity and consistency with it because these are not things that I'm just toying with now. These are understandings that I have processed through years and years and years and years. Um, and I want to give the questions to all of us to, to be thinking about. These are still questions I ask myself. These are still, there are still times all day, every day where I, um, I'm weighing out what I say I believe, right? So, <laughs> you know, now I've, now I've got kids. So it, it turns into, um, wow, I say I believe, oh, I can't think of anything top of my head that wouldn't embarrass my children. <laughs> when I say I, I believe X, but then child A will bring up X and I have an internal response that is so contrary to X It's like, oh, so I might behave in alignment with X, but how I am viscerally responding inside of myself really reveals the the, the gap, the distance between what I say I want to believe and what I actually believe. 
And I, and there's a process in working that out to a point where I get to, oh, child A says X and I say, yep, X. And it's a natural outflow of who I am. That's a process and that takes time. And when it comes to things like my, my worth and things like that, that's been a 20 year process. And I would see there's still things that I, I work out with that. Um, yeah. And I think these are the kinds of questions that I want to help put out there, um, for all of us to be thinking about. And because I do think that as we ask ourselves these questions, as we, as we, we consider, right, this foundation of grace and this, this fuel that I call, I call love, this fuel of life, as we continue to, um, to articulate even for ourselves, what, don't, don't take my word for it. I'm, I'm just articulating it the way I understand it and the way it makes sense to me, but you might have a different way to articulate it. And hopefully I'm just bringing up ways that, that stir that up in you, right? So, so if we kind of go back to what I said last, last episode, you know, grace being this environment within which, you know, we all already move and breathe. We're already in it. We're already saturated by grace. There, there's just no space between atoms that grace does not exist. But we've all had these different messages about ourselves, about other people, about how the world works that is contrary to what grace would have us believe. Um, and then love is this fuel. It's what allows us to uncover and call out and accept and live more clearly in reality, in the reality of grace, right? With, with, with this freedom that, that as we move in faith that grace exists, as we do that, that, that grace is revealed through our lived experiences. Um, and that's been my experience. That has been that the reason I, I articulate things the way I do is based on how I have processed things over the years. And and these words, grace and love, right, they they aren't likely new terms to any of us, but depending on our past experiences, our backgrounds, they could have a variety of meanings and connotations. Right. For those of us with a religious background, for instance, these words, they may have been given a very specific definition by whatever teachers we've had along the way and mentors, right? People around us. Um, and depending on our experiences and, and the experiences we've had with these people, with the structures we've been a part of, with the events um, where these words were utilized, right? These and, and utilizing these very specific definitions, we might have visceral reactions to hearing these words, and, and sometimes we'll have a hard time hearing them used differently than than they've always been used in our lives, right? And um, and I'm trying to take them beyond how we've maybe used them. But my way isn't like, oh my goodness, this is the definition, right? I, I want to be clear about this because I'm not suggesting that we replace old definitions with new ones. I, I don't want to simply replace the things that we grew up with. My desire from the very beginning of me thinking about all these things, and I've always been a person who <laughs> I don't take things that people, well, I, I shouldn't say that. Because 
I grew up in an environment where you just do what you're told to do, right? You just are supposed to take things as they're said to you. Because of that and because of how just my internal um, process, I guess, or, or just the way I, I am, I don't know, my personality or my way of thinking or maybe I had some experience along the way, but something in me, um, I, yeah, I, I, I just, I didn't fall in line with that. I did to a certain point and it, it held on for many, many years I think I was probably in my mid to late 20s before I realized, oh, I have options. Like there's an option here. (laughs) Um, But there's this overlap between I don't just do things that people say or just believe the things that people say. Um, And that started only in very specific areas. Other areas took a long time for me to see that I was taking things that people just say. And so that's kind of where I come from. Like I, I want to just stir things up. Um, I always have this desire when it, when it's something that comes to my mind to find that essence. What what's the essence of a word or an idea, and, and to take it to its core, right? And and to spread that out wide to, to see if my understanding holds water, right? To see if it can be tested universally. Right, because if if grace is is what grace really is, and and if what I'm calling love is what love really is, then it it needs to be able to be applied to all people, in all times, through all situations. Right. So this is where I'm coming from when when I'm suggesting an understanding. So so keep in mind, right, that what I share is my understanding communicated in my own limited way, and you may articulate your understanding differently, and we might be saying the same things with different words. So it really is how do we get to the essence of of what it is we're trying to explain or describe. And I don't have new words. I I don't want to come up with a new word for grace. I think grace has a very rich essence to it. Um and that's what I'm trying to do is is kind of draw that out and and, and it is a specific thing and it's it's already out there right so so i just want to crack open the things that that you may have taken for granted right to to take things that we are familiar with and 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 see them in in a newer fresher ways right so so maybe we we can allow these new articulations to kind of knock loose patterns that we've that maybe haven't been helpful right and and to breathe in new fresh possibilities um cuz i do think that that words have a great deal of power, right? I love to play with words and concepts and understandings, but it's not just for fun, even though I have a lot of fun doing it, right? But words are, they're hugely powerful, right? Our concepts and our understandings of these words, they, words like love and beauty and freedom and acceptance and shame and honor and expectation. Even as I said each of these words, right? Each of our insides may have responded, may have even responded differently, right? With some words, we kind of go up a little bit. We might go down and go sideways, right? Words have emotional charge, but not because they mean anything on their own, right? Ink on a page means nothing, right? These words hold power because they've been, they've been used in specific ways, by specific people at specific times in our lives. You know, there are words that mean something more to to me 
than they might mean to you, more to you than they might mean to other people, right? And then there are words that that create a similar internal response to the majority of people within a single culture or subculture or group or family unit or whatever, right? There are certain words within a certain relationship that mean something more than that same word used elsewhere, right? Take the word love, right? This word means a lot of things and it elicits a variety of emotional responses in, in each of us, right? Depending on who or, or when or where or, or why someone might be using this word, right? When I share my overall usage of the word love, I'm trying to suggest kind of the largest bucket that could ever be labeled love, right? So we might put a lot of things in there, but this is the bucket that holds it all, <laughs> right? That, that might encompass all the meanings, um, but then also stretches beyond those meanings and, and refines what is meant in the essence of the word as something that's beyond, um, or, or what I should say, something that cannot be reduced, right? It can't be reduced to a behavior or an emotion or an intention. That's, that's what I'm trying to do with, with how I describe love. Right. So I want to talk about maybe some of the most common uses of the word love and, and what limits their usage, just to give you a couple of examples. Um, right, we use the word love to talk about attraction or desire. Um, and we know, we, we know this usage, it can't hold all of what we consider love to be, right? <laughs> you only have to talk to one parent who's been up in the wee hours with a screaming baby to know that love is not necessarily a, f- a sense of attraction or desire <laughs> because the only thing we desire is to sleep. <laughs> and, and, and yet, we still call it love, right? That, that, uh, that, that presses, that allows us um, to press beyond our limits, right? In order to be present with the needs of, of that child in that time, right? So attraction or desire is connected more with the emotion, right? How we respond to to a child or to a sick parent or to um, a friend who's lost a job, right? That's not necessarily a feeling. I may not feel anything, but we know that we need to be present with that person. And we might um, put that in a category of behavior or, or even intention, right? And, and I'm suggesting love is beyond all of these things. It encompasses all of these things, but it's beyond behavior or intention, or emotion, right? Love is what allows us to be in alignment with reality. It's it's love that allows us to see the potential in a person in spite of their past. It's love that allows us to stand up for justice, or or within justice, or mercy, in in spite of the cost and the sacrifice. It's to, to see more clearly what is in the best interest of ourselves or another person or a group instead of just seeing what's convenient, right? It's love that allows us to see a fellow human behind the face of cruelty or ignorance or apathy. It's love that allows us to, to loosen our self-protective habits, to ask ourselves the hard, the hard questions, right? To face the wounds that convince us to hide and to acknowledge the choices that we've made, right? That cause us to defend ourselves and, and to accept the losses of our hopes 
and our expectations. And, it, and it's love that allows us to grieve those losses. It, it's love that allows us to enjoy ourselves and, and to enjoy others, right? Even when we know there are things that aren't all that enjoyable, <laughs> right? It, it's love that allows us to appreciate beauty wherever it's found. It's love that allows us to see and acknowledge and validate and celebrate. And that's why I'm saying it's love that is, is part of what's underneath everything I talk about within the framework of living more naked and unashamed, right? Love can be experienced through emotions or behaviors or intentions, but ultimately, love is something we cooperate with. It's what allows what is, what what really is to be known as what it really is. And, And not merely what we see things as through our own limited perception and understanding. And perhaps that's the first step in cooperating with love is, is to accept that we all have limited perceptions and limited understandings. On our own, we can't see anything as it truly is. And that's not a knock on any of us. That's just the way it is, right? We see things through the lens of our experiences, our impressions, through the messaging that we picked up from others along the way, right? Anything we've internalized at different developmental stages, right? These, these are the things that, that um, inform the lens through which we see. And we can't see any other way but through our lens. Now, we can adjust our lens, right? And there's a great deal of opportunity to see more clearly, right? When we can accept that none of us automatically does. We don't automatically see clearly. None of us do. But we can adjust our lenses. We can, we can look for what really is. And that's what love allows us to do. I, I have a friend. So there's a little, little example, maybe a little picture of what I'm talking about. Um, I have a friend who was struggling in her marriage. And she was frustrated because she and her partner did not seem to have the same vision for their relationship, right? And so my brain works in pictures and metaphors. So what I saw as she was describing this um, was that she had a vision of their potential relationship um, in her mind's eye. And I saw that as kind of a a Lego structure, right? So imagine this big, elaborate Lego structure. (laughs) And then in her husband's mind's eye, he had his own Lego structure of how he viewed um, the vision for their relationship. And then, and so neither one of them can see the other person's, right? And and I would even argue that they can't even see their own perfectly well um, because that's even clouded by, um, you know, crushed crushed dreams past from past experiences or or fears or um, all of that, right? So, so that's, so there's the unseen in the other person and there's even the the cloudiness within seeing our own um understanding our own desires and and uh, what we want right and what's best in a relationship but in the midst of that maybe in between them so if you see like they're on one side um of a big table they're on opposite sides of a big table and on the big table or the big space in between them there's enough legos to build each of their structures, and then lots of Legos left over, right? So they could build anything. They could build their own structure that's in their head. They can build a whole brand new structure. They got all kinds of opportunities and options, right? And 
the goal then, right? The goal, their job isn't to make her vision or to make his vision, although sometimes that's what we're trying to do, right? But the, the, the goal though is to work together to bring to life a structure on that table and that space in between them that that works for both of them, that maybe brings in the best of their own vision and understands the vision that the other person is bringing in, right? And love encompasses not just the creating of this structure between them. It's not about, okay, now you put a Lego on and then you, it's not just the behaviors, right? Love consists of how they go about doing this, the questions that they ask each other, the way they share of themselves um, and listen to the other person, right? The, the tone of voice they use, their honesty and vulnerability, their willingness to own, admit, and ultimately set aside their assumptions and expectations, right? The Lego structure, that isn't even what is real that is being called into being and made more clear. It's their humanity. It's who they are as individuals. That's what's being called out. What, who they really are is what is being seen more clearly. They're, they're soft, vulnerable spaces that need to be tread and treated with care, right? Their, their deep desire for connection, their hopes to be seen and understood and accepted and enjoyed, right? The, the memories of hurts and wounds and misunderstandings that, that threaten to trip up their efforts and, and the remnants of the precious moments that have been shared and cherished. Those are the things that love allows. They're there. They are real. And love allows them to be seen as they really are by ourselves and by the other. That's what love allows us, right? So so in what ways are, are we cooperating with love, right? How are we experiencing love, uh, allowing us to see more clearly reality, right? It's calling things what they really are, seeing things as they really are. And sometimes those things aren't pleasant things, but it's what's real. And love allows us to see it and then gives us options of how to, to manage ourselves within that, right? Are we, are we seeing the difficult people in our lives as more than just how they're making our lives difficult, <laughs> right? Are we seeing them as a whole person, right? The potential beyond the difficulty. Are we cooperating with that, understand that vision, that potential, right? By responding in ways that, that honor both ourselves and the other person, right? Because we all, we, we need to honor ourselves. We, we need to be seen and, and respected, right? But we also need to acknowledge and honor the other person's need to be seen, and respected. There's a um there's a passage in the Bible that most of us are familiar with. If you've, if you've ever been to a wedding, <laughs> it, it, well, if you've been to multiple, it's not at every wedding, but if you've been to at least three weddings, it's probably been read at at least one of those. And it's often referred to as the love chapter. And I don't think the ancient writers were trying to replace old definitions of love any more than I am. In fact, I I think they were trying in their time to do the same thing I'm trying to do in ours, to capture the essence of a universal concept by articulating it in their own words, in the context of their own culture. 
And there's nothing in these words that I disagree with, right? Here's, here's how a, a bit of it goes. Love is patient and kind. Love is not envious or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Now, I used to understand these, this passage, these words, as, as a directive, right? These are the things you have to do in order to achieve love. <laughs> and if you do these things exactly the way they're said, you're probably going to be denying the reality in some respects of, of, of things that you need to, um, to reveal about yourselves, right? Or, or yourself. Um, this isn't a directive. I don't think these words, the way I understand them now, is, is really um, this effort to describe something beyond us, what love already is. When you see these things, you know there is love. Love is these things. And not just the behaviors of, well, I'm not being boastful, which is already a fail, <laughs> right? I have a friend who used to say, um, yeah, a humble person never talks about how humble they are. I'm so humble. <laughs> you just failed, <laughs> um, right? It's, it's not, if we, if we, in the intentions of doing these things, that's not where love is. This is just describing what love is the essence of what love is. And, and, and in, it, it's something that we're invited to cooperate with, to press up against. We can't know when somebody else is um, in their own... Like, may, uh, how do I describe this? I have a friend who would say that I'm so much nicer than she is or kinder or whatever. And it used to... Like I, I really had to wrestle with that because I'm not. Um, I might do something that appears on the outside from all appearances to be the more loving thing. But it, really, it's perhaps it would be described as the more accommodating thing. And yes, there were times where I might have to sacrifice something in order to do this thing. But here's the deal. Sometimes it really was just me cooperating with love. But sometimes it was me not wanting to have the conflict that I feared might come from not doing this thing. It was more convenient to do the kinder thing than it was to acknowledge that I had a need to not do that kind thing and to be kind to myself. Does that make sense? I don't know if I'm making sense, but I just want us to get clear in our minds or at least a little clearer in our minds that love is, we cannot point to something and say that is loving. I, that's not what I'm t saying. And I don't think that's what the passage in the Bible is saying. I don't think what the ancient writers who wrote the stuff was, were trying to say. I think it's been used that way <laughs> quite often. Um, 
But I don't think that we can point to something and say that was a loving thing to do. I think love is this fuel, this this something that we cooperate with that allows things to be brought into a clear understanding of what they really are. So um, we're invited into that cooperation, right? And as we do this, then we, we can experience love and we can we can reveal the grace within which we're all held, right? And and I think there's this overlap of um of love and grace. You know, some people say we're held in love. And I would say we're held in grace. Now there I don't need to quibble about those words. I just use them differently. Um but we might be saying the the same thing very similarly. Some people would use grace the way I'm using love, but they might just complete completely um flip-flop the words. Totally fine. Because it's really about how does this generate a change in us? And I think the change comes from I'm no longer putting this this need or this directive on myself to do x y z. I need to be, yes, I can, can I be more patient? Yes. But just because I'm patient, does that always mean that I'm being loving, that love is, is, um, is being manifest? (laughs) Not always. Sometimes I'm being patient because I just need this moment to pass so I can go do what I want to (laughs) do. Right? It doesn't necessarily, we cannot, um, label things. This is loving and this is not. Love is something we cooperate with and we do it in faith that grace exists so that we bring that more into that. Then it becomes more of the shared reality. It becomes a reality that we experience. And it's interesting. I'm still toying with these concepts and these ways of articulating it. And I'm not sure I'm doing it justice. (laughs) So... I might not be. So we'll put that to rest for a little bit. Next episode, I want to dive into um, one of the ways we talk about love. And I'm still toying with the notion of would I even put this way that we talk about love into the category of love as I'm talking about it? I'm not so sure I would. However, I also know that there is no way on earth we would ever not use the word love in conjunction with this topic. And the topic is this idea of attraction and desire. Why are we attracted? Um, what, what, what causes us to be drawn to a certain person or, or certain people have an affinity for certain people, right? It could be a romantic attraction. Um, I would say it's the same thing that drives attraction to, to anything, all things. Um, so I told you last time, I, I have some opinions about these things. Um, and so I will share those with you in the next episode. So I'm looking forward to exploring that with you, see if I can do any justice to that or if I can muddy the waters just enough to get you to think however it is uh, you need to think so that you can live more freely as who you are and, and engage in relationships as we work to see ourselves and others more clearly 
as we really are, as we already are, so that we can all kind of come out of hiding and and live more naked and unashamed. So until next episode, I hope you all have a lovely day. Bye-bye.